Hello and welcome back to the totally not late, brand new episode of Tonight We Talk. Yeah, totally not late. It's not like I've been putting this off for like two to three weeks. Psh, me never. I am super duper dedicated on getting every episode out on time. You guys know me. I would. Anyway, joking aside, we have a brand new episode in store for you tonight. A brand new episode with a brand new guest. A guest by the name of Zach. Zach. Do you like my echo? No, okay. Zach is a university student from the UK studying pharmacology. So, you can probably guess what we're going to talk about since I just gave you that little anecdotal piece of evidence about him. Science. We talk about science tonight. And I'm going to be totally honest with you. I am not the most experienced in the fields of science. I love it conceptually. Now, it's not that I wasn't ever interested in science. That is totally not it. It's just that I was never really good at it. But Zach, he's amazing at it. Not only is it his interest, it is his passion, it is what he lives for. It is what he wants to do for the rest of his life. He makes that totally clear to me in the episode, and I respect him for it. He goes down this path that I had myself the option to go down. And for me, it's very, very interesting to see somebody else, my same gender, my same age, who met at a crossroads and decided to go the other way. I kind of... I kind of relate to him at that point, and I get to see what could have been in a weird sense. And Zach, if you're listening to this episode, then know that I respect you for it. It's nice to see where life could have been, where life went for you. Very much does Zach educate me in a lot of ways. He is just so involved in pharmacology, he spits out terms that I don't even know what they mean. It's astounding. So we talk about in this episode science, the morality behind it. Would we be farther advanced in generically most fields of science if we threw morals out the window? And ultimately, we come to the appreciation that, hey, science is amazing. A couple hundred years ago, flicking a light switch and having a bright light come on and off would have been magic. And here we are every day neglecting it, most of the time. I've blathered on enough. You want to get to the meat and veggies. You want to get to the details, the grit, the dirt of this podcast. Well, you asked for it. I hope you enjoy. But there's something else about voice acting I wanted to ask you before we, we got into the show. Just because I, like I like to break the ice with people. Would you ever take it to, to a professional level if you had the option? I would, but I'd never make it my main goal. Like, mm -hmm. pharmacology has always been, and always will be, the thing that I want to do for the rest of my life. That's really interesting, because I've never heard, and this isn't saying in an offensive sense, but pharmacology is so specific, I've never heard anybody say that this is what I want to do, what I'd be happy with doing for the rest of my life. Yeah, I've never honestly, heard that. Honestly, I, I've always known that I wanted to do something to do with science and I've always loved science and originally I didn't think it would be a biological science like I liked physics and I liked chemistry and I thought maybe mm -hmm. astrophysics or something but then I started sort of disliking physics a, a little bit because math um, or yeah partly because math and partly because I just had really crap teachers fair enough bad teachers ruin entire subjects exactly and um yeah and then I found pharmacy originally mm -hmm. and I applied for it at university but I didn't get the grades so okay. they put me on a pharmacology course instead 
and I got into the lab for the first time and I sort of looked around and I went, yeah. holy crap, this is the best thing ever and I want to do it forever. <laughs> You're like, wow, this is everything I didn't know I wanted until now. Exactly. It's just perfect. So I'm going to need you to educate me a little bit. Yeah. What exactly is pharmacology? So essentially it's the, the study of drugs mm -hmm. uh, in, in its purest form, the study of medicine. Um, okay. And it is basically doctors are practitioners, whereas mm -hmm. we are the scientists on the other side. So we are the the scientist version of a doctor, basically. So you guys get the hard facts, and a doctor looks at the information you give, and it's like, hey, you need this. Sort of. It's... Our, our role, really, is to <sighs> develop and produce new medications. All right. Which and means a lot of testing. Yeah, a lot of science... <laughs> A lot of sciencey things mm -hmm. and testing and just finding new new medicines. Okay, so basically. more of the uh, the practical approach of being a doctor. Yeah, it's very laboratory based. There's no patient interaction. It's just mm -hmm. look, these are molecules. Just this make something. Might be a good drug, maybe. <laughs> this might make your eyes bleed, but probably but not. We'll test it on a mouse first, maybe. I don't know. Oh, that poor mouse. I know. But, so, like, you, you test hmm. it on human cells first, but, like, just cultivated pure cells. Okay. Yeah. See, when you talk about this passion for, for science, I can relate, but I didn't go down that route personally. Hmm. In school, like, I'm not even sure how old you are. You could be older than me, younger than me. I've Actually, you're probably older than me by a bit. I'm uh, 19. Uh, then you are the exact same age as I am. Oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah, awesome. We have so much in common. Oh, oh my yeah. God. When I was in high school, I wasn't the strongest student in subjects that were really the core principles, science being one of those earlier on in high school here. I always thought to myself, chemistry, for example. Chemistry is literally just the alchemy that we read about in fantasy books. And I think the same thing goes for a lot of science. Science dispelling what we used to believe would never exist. Where we once thought the sun was a god, we now realize it's a burning ball of gas. And where we once thought that we could pray for sickness to go away, we have drugs and medicine to show, hey, there are ways that we can cure these things. That we're kind of taking what we used to think was magic into our own hands. Yeah, back in back in the day, originally chemistry chemistry was alchemy, and mm -hmm. the first periodic table actually uh, was an alchemical periodic table, I think. But mm -hmm. the half life of knowledge, which is the time it takes for knowledge, for half of all knowledge to become redundant or disproven, is mm -hmm. becoming shorter and shorter, to the point where we're learning things much much faster than we used to. Well, it's constantly faster than ever before, right? It's um... Yeah, it's like a exponential curve, in a way. It doesn't really feel special anymore to a lot of people. Yeah. But you have to really know a lot about drugs and chemistry for it to become special again. Because 
sometimes I'm in a lecture and the uh-huh. lecturer will be saying like the method of action of a drug at me and I'll be like oh yeah yeah this is what this does this is how this does I'm gonna remember this uh-huh. I'm gonna memorize this and spend three hours putting it in my brain and then I sort of stop and think holy crap this is so cool <laughs> oh my god oh my god it's the most amazing thing it really is amazing mm. do you uh do you have gaviscon in canada uh we might have a different name for it maybe it sort of acts like an antacid in a way it's got a very special method of action and basically it prevents acid reflux you know what that oh, okay. is okay yes that's kind of where um you feel that burning in your throat because you almost uh vomit right am yeah, i that's close it. there yeah that's it and it's where your stomach acid sort of repeats on you, and it's to do with your lower esophageal sphincter. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it can do some serious damage. Yeah, well, it's more the discomfort, and it happens a lot to old people, and mm-hmm. the older, I, I guess people that are over 40, I suppose, it happens a lot to. Oh, you know, but the this, elderly, over 40. Oh, yeah, <laughs> over 40. No, like middle-aged, I'd say, yeah. and above. Um, but there's this medication that we use in the UK called Gaviscon. Okay. And Sounds the way magical. it works, basically there's a chemical in it called sodium, sodium alginate, which mm-hmm. reacts with calcium to form a polymer, which forms into like a little raft, almost. Mm-hmm. And then calcium carbonate and sodium carbonate, or sodium bicarbonate in the, in the Gaviscon, reacts with your stomach acid and forms bubbles underneath the raft and pushes it to the top of your stomach Mm -hmm. and it literally forms a seal over the top of your stomach so that the acid can't come up and that is amazing (laughs) yeah it is pretty amazing it's like a force field in a sense yeah a medical one all done with chemicals Mm, just uh i'm imagining uh this product you're talking about is like a pill or something yeah, yeah, you can get it in mm. a pill, or sometimes it's in like a drink, like an oral suspension. Mm-hmm. And this but opens so cool. up uh, almost concepts to all science, not just biological ones, although we can surely stick to that. I was reading earlier this week, actually not even reading, are you familiar with the YouTuber Philip DeFranco? Yeah, yeah, I sort of know of him. I don't really watch him, to be honest, but I've, I've definitely heard of him. Whenever he releases news, I watch the news. And very recently, there was a boy. He was born with a disease. He didn't have any hands. He had to have them amputated for reasons I can't remember. And recently, in the last two years, he got a hand transplant, like a successful hand transplant, which they did a follow-up on him, and that's why he was back in the news, because he can write his name now. It's just crazy, these steps that we're taking, where people would think, oh, that's mad science. You know, we literally wrote stories about monsters of sewn together body parts from all different people to construct a new living thing, and that was called Frankenstein. And now we have this kid who can live a normal life again because he got a hand back. It fascinates me so much. Do you think that these advancements in technology are good things? Well, there's a bit of a balance, really, because Mm -hmm. eventually there's going to be a problem with overpopulation. But Mm -hmm. 
we also want people to live as long as possible. Because if it were you, you'd think, I want a new arm, or I don't want to die of heart failure, or mm -hmm. increasing the survival chances. It's a, I guess, short-term fix. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's... it's uh, it's it's hard to explain because I personally think from the perspective of like mm -hmm. sort of a medical profession I'd say the overriding ethical choice is we want people to live as long as possible really yeah so we have to do everything we can to try and make people live as long as possible and so many like things go into that and like thousands and thousands of years of medical technology have led to us living this long and in a mm. way really we're not designed to live for this long mm -hmm. like the menopause like shouldn't really happen technically in a way I suppose in a biological stance yeah basically and we're living older than really nature intended us to. How long uh, do you imagine people were meant to live for? I'd say we sort of reach our prime between 18 and 21, I'd say. So about that doubled. So let's say 21 40s. times 2, so 42 maximum, because then we can raise our kids and stuff. So we can have kids, raise our kids, and then just pop off, you know? <laughs> You know, drop, drop dead, uh, hit the dirt. Pretty much, just lay ourselves to rest. But in in a civilized society, we all mm. really want to live as long as we can because we're all afraid of mm. death. Let's be real. In modern mm -hmm. Western society, we want to live as long as possible. Yeah. And in like some, I'd say, religions or cultures back in the day, they always wanted to go out guns blazing type thing, like. I think maybe the Norse, they they love to have their final battle and go out in a fit of glory. A blaze of fire. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, o overpopulation could mm -hmm. be a problem in the not-so-distant future. If we flat out say, maybe having people live this long is a bad thing, because overpopulation will kill us in the long run. If we refuse the people, we refuse the medicine, then we look like monsters. Who are we to deny them life if that's what they're asking for? And in the moment, it's like, oh my God, you're you're a monster for saying that. We should stop maybe medicating people for a certain disease or a certain illness because eventually we'll be faced with a whole new problem, one that might be a lot worse than a couple thousand people dying. That's a big reality that I've thought of, it doesn't make me feel good to think about it because I don't like the idea of some people saying who has the right to live or die. It's uh, a power that is too easily abused. Hmm. I think it's a, a very real situation that we're coming up to. Yeah, definitely. But you, you sort of start running into problems with uh, things like eugenics, like ethical dilemmas, and eugenics is basically hmm. what Hitler wanted to do, which was cut out certain Groups. genus like basically also I think it was Nicholas Tesla who also wanted to cut out 
quote-unquote weaklings of society like you know mm. asthmatics people who need glasses people who are more prone to heart disease diabetes that sort of thing but really like who are we to judge like mm. no one should have that power mm-hmm. it's uh i don't i don't know how much of a, a nerd you are but i'm a huge nerd oh, very love so. love comic books especially mm. and you have a thing that comes up in comics so often Vigilante Justice, who gets to say who lives and dies, it comes back to that. Some of these Vigilante characters will kill because it's effective and it keeps the problem uh, minimal, right? You let a villain live and they come back again another day to cause maybe even something worse than what happened originally. Batman and Joker are a great example of that. The Joker keeps coming back and he's He's sociopathic, he's uh, psychotic. The point of the story is he keeps coming back and killing people, and each time he kills more and more people, and Batman takes him down and he lets the Joker go. Or takes him to prison, which, depending on your perspective, can be the exact same as letting him go. Anything besides killing the Joker, because the Joker is more of a problem alive than he is dead, it comes back to saying who gets to decide who lives or dies. But Batman realizes that this is a power that he can't have it's too it's too corruptible and i agree with it i think it's too it's too much for anyone any uh, anyone to have any group to have maybe thoughts yeah i i totally have to agree um there's a thing in bioethics which is something i sort of study as part mm. of my degree called the slippery slope argument which mm. is, it basically states, if you make a moral decision, what's to stop this next sort of stage of the moral code mm. from happening, basically? So, like, if you were to incarcerate someone for life, what would be stopping you from, you know, just straight up killing them? Because mm. you're taking away their freedom forever, so, you know, you might as well just kill them, type thing. So yeah, it's it's a slippery slope from incarcerating people for life and then killing them and then cutting out all of the criminals' roots and like all their sons and daughters and family and it, it's mm-hmm. just a big old messy thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would also consider it a big old messy thing. <laughs> yeah, bioethics. Not one of my strong points if I'm honest. It's a lot of, mm-hmm. it's very variable, it's very much what's your opinion, rather than this is what we think is correct. And I'm guessing you're, you're saying you're not good with that. Um, like, I mean, yeah. the unit, the bioethics unit was my mm-hmm. highest scoring unit, because I'm good <laughs> at basically spouting utter bollocks for an essay. And I mean, the system kind of teaches us to do that, let's be real. Yeah, pretty much. I did A-level drama, which was basically that. <laughs> um, if I but, act my way through it, I can achieve it. Yeah, literally. And But I am I have a very scientific mindset. I like things to be either yes or no, correct or incorrect, not this might mm-hmm. be correct in this situation or via this moral code. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I you think there's a... Like if I'm understanding you uh, correctly, you're saying... 
there's almost a a higher sense of right and wrong that there is an answer but it's being clouded by these more immediate questions that are coming to people's minds like overpopulation for example giving well, medicine out to so many people and then we lead to a new issue of overpopulation well i'd say it's not so much that in bioethics as it is there isn't really a right answer or there is a right answer depending on where you draw your ethical framework from mm -hmm. so for example if you're a utilitarianist mm -hmm. you would sort of think the objective best thing for society so for example a utilitarianistic approach to giving or like retaining medicine and not giving it to a certain group of people who are genetically prone to getting a certain disease yeah. they would be for that because it's for the good of society mm -hmm. whereas a Kantianistic view would be it's all about the means rather than the end so mm -hmm. that person dying or those people dying is more important than saving the lives of everyone basically I think I can understand where you're coming from okay do you know the trolley problem uh, I might know the problem, but not the term trolley problem. It's basically, so you're put in a scenario where mm. you're next to a lever or a lever, and mm. there's a tram or like a train coming down a track. And I've heard of this, but keep yeah, going. It's hurdling, it's hurdling towards one person, or sorry, no, it's hurdling towards five people, and if if you pull the lever it will switch the tracks and put it onto a track where it will only kill one person. Mm -hmm. And it's, do you pull the lever or not? Well, because if you pull the question. lever, if you pull the lever, you'll be killing one person, but saving five. Mm -hmm. So objectively it's better. But if you do pull the lever, you are actively killing one person and you decide who lives mm -hmm. and who dies. I'm guessing you're going to say that you would pull the lever and kill the one man. I, yeah, I definitely would kill the one person. Mm -hmm. And Thinking objectively. To. Objectively, yeah, I feel like it's almost common sense for people to, to think numbers. Death numbers are the two first things you think of in that situation. Minimalize the damage. The thing is, though, if you were actually in the situation, mm -hmm. it would be a lot more difficult to decide, I think... You like, so? I would definitely go for killing the one person. But the thing mm -hmm. is, you would actively mm -hmm. be killing someone. You would actively be taking a life away from mm -hmm. a family. And that's where it gets and really deep in it. Then it gets into how much regard you have for other people's lives. Mm, yeah, so that's the Kantianistic approach. Mm -hmm. Of thinking I will actively be killing one person whereas the utilitarianistic approach would be I'm gonna kill one person obviously because four lives will be mm -hmm. spared essentially a net gain of four lives I, I can understand that my mm. uh, my father actually dated a woman once and she was a train driver uh, appropriately mm. enough <laughs> and I'm not sure if you know this about trains but people like to commit suicide via getting hit by a train. They think it's going yeah. to be fast, and they think it's going to be easy. 
Um, so she had to go to therapy because somebody jumped in front of her train, which she was the conductor of. Who oh, did? Um, and she couldn't handle the reality that maybe not through means through her, her control, but in her perspective, she killed somebody. Mm. And that's a lot about... Uh, that's really heavily where perspective comes into play. Uh, do you believe that you killed somebody, or do you believe that you saved people by doing the decision? Hmm. Um, some of literature's best villains think that they're doing the right thing. Where somebody might feel guilty about killing one person, we might feel good, we might feel like a hero for saving four as a grand total. Hmm. And it's very, <clears throat> It's very difficult to be objective when human lives are at stake. Because mm-hmm. there's so many different morals coming into play. Do you think that science would be more advanced if we threw morals out the window? I think it would, definitely. Mm-hmm. But at what cost, basically? I had a feeling you were going to say that exact line. <laughs> that's what came to my mind as well. Yeah, it's you are like, just talking about you... comic books, mm-hmm. and that's a very comic book line. <laughs> <laughs> It's what do you but, sacrifice, right? Your humanity? Yeah. Like you're uh, you're just becoming a horrific group of things. Like mm-hmm. if if an alien species were looking in on us or some mm-hmm. higher being was looking in on us and it saw us doing these atrocities, <laughs> what would it think? What would they think? You have to ask yourself that question with most of the things you do. Like, what would I think if I were watching somebody else doing what I'm doing right now? Uh, We talked about Hitler a little bit and how he was looking to cleanse almost the weakness out of people or the human race. I wasn't the best in history, but I was under the impression, uh, put under the impression through other people that Hitler was very, very big into advancing technology, whatever the means. As you said, at what cost? Well, at any cost. Mm. He was doing all different kinds of unspeakable things to people, and if it wasn't him, then whoever he let do it. I would personally love to search up examples of different advancements under that regime came to fruition, but Unfortunately, with the way my recording setup is right now, I can't access the internet other than to have this conversation. I just hit my arm off a closet door, actually. It's to give you an image of how cramped I am right now, that's it. Oh, no. But I'm, I'm just in, like, a sort of big room, but I'm, in, I'm like, <laughs> stuffed into the corner, to be honest. I mean, it's best to cancel background noise. But even mm. if I can't come up with an example... The concept still stands that we throw morals out the window and it opens up more possibilities and less less gateways we have to go through to get the answers we're looking for. If we could take medical testing directly to the human body instead of going through cell samples to small animals to slightly bigger animals to animals that are similar to the genetics of or structure of people, things would go faster. Actually, there have been some very, very good advances and ongoing advances with um, simulated medical technology. So mm-hmm. they they can simulate what would happen 
in a human body mm-hmm. if this drug were to enter it. And right now we're mm-hmm. sort of at the stage where we can see it on a molecular level. We can see exactly what would happen if an enzyme collided with a drug. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, uh, that's where we're at so far. And eventually, mm-hmm. and this will take a long time, we could get to a point where we could stop you know, using animals and human tissue samples and all mm. that, really. For the most part, that is. Like, we'd still have mm. to test it just in case there was something, that, like, one factor that we glossed over. In essence, you're saying that it would cut out a lot of the middle grounds. Yeah, basically. It could save a lot of lives, mm. like, animal lives. And the concept is, right now, the simulation is at the point where you can predict how things interact uh, fundamentally, but not too too complexly in the system. Yeah, you can you can see it down to like below a cellular level, but that's about as far as we got. So from that you'd need to go on a cellular level and then a tissue level and then mm-hmm. an organ level and then an organ system level and then all of the organ system levels to create the whole body effect. Which but is that still amazing. Is a long way up. Like what uh-huh. the what you're saying is made so far is still insanely incredible. Yeah, it's it, just not it, at the point yet that it's 100% this is a great thing we can use. Yeah, it could be many, many years or potentially mm-hmm. even impossible like, and could never happen, basically, because it's so complex. And the body, there are so many factors mm-hmm. to think about in the body. And on that subject, actually, I'd like to talk a little bit about thalidomide. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of it. Uh, it sounds familiar. A lot of the things you're uh, saying to me, like, have you ever heard of this thing? Like, it's ringing bells, but... Mm. Uh-huh. Basically, it was a drug that was taken for morning sickness for pregnant women, and mm. it was actually tetragenic, which basically causes very, very severe mutations in the little fetus or embryo. I have heard of meaning- this, yeah. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. a terrible, terrible disaster that happened many years ago. It was very popular, right? It was it was a massively consumed thing until everyone found they were having birth defects in their children, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because they tested it, but they didn't mm-hmm. wait until the babies were born. So they tested it and then kept an eye on like the the mm-hmm. woman's vitals, but they didn't check out check the, the kids. baby, which is um, an obvious yet understandable mistake, I think. They knew that molecules can come in different shapes in a way, but they're mm-hmm. still they're still the same molecule, and they interact with most things in exactly the same way. But the body likes things a certain way, and mm-hmm. it's called an isomer. And okay. thalidomide had two isomers: the R and the S version, I think. Um, I'd have to check that, or the E and the Z. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Just two things, essentially. Yeah, there were were two different versions of the drug, and they knew that one would cause this effect. Mm -hmm. And what they did was they filtered everything out, so it was only that version of the drug left, and it was the active, good, pure version of the drug that had no negative effects and Mm -hmm. effectively cured morning sickness. But what they didn't realise is that in the conditions of the body, it would cause the active version to convert into the tetragenic negatively affecting version. Oh no. Yeah, and... 
So no they, matter they what, they thought everything was fine. So no matter what, they were asking for trouble, essentially. Pretty much, but thalidomide is, I think, actually used now nowadays as a mm-hmm. effective morning sickness drug. Even though it had such a bad rap before. Yeah, but the thing is, they've actually made it all okay. Mm-hmm. Or so <laughs> we think. Dun dun. Mm, for now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that drugs are crazy though. I would say that's the same concept as marijuana, but to my understanding, marijuana was only villainized. It never actually had any detrimental effects on people besides extensive uses on the brain. Hmm. I mean, alcohol is horrific. It's a mm-hmm. horrible, horrible drug, but it's so... It's legal? <laughs> ...accepted... Yeah, it's legal and it's so ingrained within so many cultures I think that it would the... be absolutely mm-hmm. impossible to criminalize. I think we're on the same page here where are you leading up to saying alcohol is legal yet marijuana isn't and marijuana is less harmful? Yeah. Yeah, I, basically. I say never, that to a lot of people. It's crazy. I never personally smoke it, mm-hmm. but I could see how people would. But still, mm-hmm. you know, don't drink don't do any sort of drug because they will have negative effects there are always negative effects yeah and go on risks associated well on the case of marijuana and alcohol i for a long time said you know i've never smoked pot personally or ingested it in any means but from all the cases i've heard where marijuana was involved in any kind of issue or conflict alcohol has done the damage tenfold impaired driving is a valid uh driving under influence at all whether or not it's alcohol or marijuana i think that's a bad thing to be doing however i've never heard too many stories of people driving under influence of marijuana and getting into a crash like somebody does under alcohol or being as aggressive as somebody is drinking alcohol and they're drunk and they're making all different crazy decisions that are damaging to the people around them or the environment sometimes. I just think alcohol is more dangerous in a lot of senses, whether or not how it affects your body um, to the core of it or how it affects your behavior. Yeah, honestly, Mm. uh, alcohol is just the worst. Like, it can increase your risk of liver disease and liver mm-hmm. cancer and heart heart disease, heart cancers, and just mm. so many things are worsened by alcohol. Your, oh, it's just, it's a terrible mm. thing. Never, ever do it. And when you mix it I, with other drugs, it does bad things too. Yeah, exactly. Like, alcohol and paracetamol, mm-hmm. never do it. <laughs> what is the effect, may I ask? Um, it can cause peptic ulcers, which are just ulcers in your stomach. And they're very okay. painful, and they're treatable, but very painful. And they, there's a risk of death if you have oh my too God. many paracetamol and too much alcohol, basically. Too much alcohol. Yeah. Um, yeah. On the Don't s- do drugs, kids. <laughs> the more you know, a rainbow appears over us. <laughs> I know the effects of, not all, obviously, but some drugs, especially the ones that do their job very very well i feel like i think it's the term return of investment where you've gotten almost the best deal for your money 
uh, let's just give crazy numbers and crazy examples, a microphone for $200. And a $200 microphone is going to be the biggest return of investment, it's going to have the best sound, it's the most affordable, you're getting the most value out of your dollar. And after you pass that point, you're hitting less returns. You're you're getting less results. While with drugs, it almost seems like if a drug is really good at what it does, it usually comes with a downside. Uh, yeah, there is a um, mm-hmm. there's a thing called the therapeutic window, which is basically what you just described. Um, and it basically it's like a bell curve, and there's a peak, and it's the window of opportunity if you have any less than a certain point it won't be effective but if you have any more than a certain point it will be detrimental to your health and some some drugs have a smaller therapeutic window than others so they have Mm -hmm. to be calculated with body weight and all of that malarkey Mm -hmm. especially with you know cancer drugs chemotherapy that sort of thing oh yeah insane stuff Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah but that's like really Oh, crazy drugs. I haven't even gotten to those drugs yet. <laughs> Try no Trying them or working with them. Ba-dum-ts. Working with them yeah. or learning about them even. Like, oncology is just the furthest thing from my mind right now. Um, uh, it's mostly sort of gastrointestinal drugs and drugs for the brain and stuff like that. Oh, the that. fun ones. The ones for gastrointestinal things and oh, yeah. brains. And... Yeah, like omeprazole. Omeprazole is quite a fun one. I know mm-hmm. the most about omeprazole, probably. And what does omeprazole uh, uh, do, just out of my own curiosity? Basically, it stops production of your stomach acid. Wow. And it's, it's used for treatment of peptic ulcers, basically, to stop them from being irritated so that they can be healed. Wow, that sounds pretty useful. Mm, I'm yeah, sure there's is. also a lot of repercussions with that. Actually, you'd be surprised. It's got like the basic side effects that any pill does, like nausea in some cases, and mm. just all those general things. Removing but, acid out of your stomach doesn't have any downside? Well, it does, to some extent, but it's necessary. Like, you can't mm. not do it, because it'll you'll be in immense pain if you have a peptic mm. ulcer, because it's basically acid being constantly poured onto an ulcer which isn't good wow. <laughs> so you have to stop the stomach acid so it can be healed and, and not just any acid but hydrochloric acid yeah hydrochloric butanoic all all them good things and eventually it can cause brittleness of the bones so it's not used for prolonged use mm, especially okay. in older people speaking of brittleness of the bones you probably didn't know this about me. Uh, a couple years ago, I had a very bad skin infection. Uh, I used to bathe for like six hours a day, every day, because I loved water. So it wasn't mm-hmm. even the process of me soaping myself down all the time, but it was just sitting in water for that long. That I wore down this, uh, this oil slash skin barrier that every Mm. human body has. And it essentially opened up, well, what the dermatologist told me was that it it opened up my body to all these things that your skin essentially keeps from getting inside of you. Mm. I was getting uh, infections and whatnot into my body that shouldn't have been there due to my own stupidity. Mm. And this infection wouldn't go away. 
It was all over my body, raced skin. Uh, I won't get into too many of the gruesome details, but it was not pretty. Uh, the only thing that would get rid of it was a very powerful drug that I can't remember the name of. They didn't want to give me this drug because one of the side effects were possible hip failure when I turned, like, in my 40s is what they were telling me. Like, if you take this drug, there is the chance that your hips will fail later on in life. And I had to take this, I had to take this drug three or four times because the infection came back uh, three to four times. Each time I took the medicine, it would clear up. And then the next time I had to take a little bit more of it in uh, potency. And that went up, like I said, three to four times until eventually I hadn't had it since. But now there's the very real possibility that my hips will fail once I hit a certain age. This is where I have my perspective or knowledge, air quotes around that, that the better job a drug does at what it's meant to help also can result in it having really, really strong or, yeah, just really, really strong negative effects on other things. Yeah, that that is that is quite interesting, uh, because what drugs do is they either prevent or slow down or speed up certain processes in the body, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm trying to explain it in layman's terms. Do you know what enzymes are? Uh, I have heard the name enzyme. Okay, they are they're basically proteins, and. Mm. Often they, they stick to cells and they sometimes act as receptors for certain molecules. Mm-hmm. Um, and often these molecules can be emulated, and that's what drugs are. They're just versions of those molecules that we can get into the body, essentially. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those emulated versions of the molecules, either they go into the whole body... Or, like, they go into more broad parts of the body, like more areas, Mm -hmm. and basically cause weird effects because they're affecting multiple areas of the body, including, but not exclusive to, the area that you actually want to affect. Mm -hmm. And what that's called is the cleanness of the drug. So, often with drugs, like with gastrointestinal drugs, it's a bit easier because... You, when you swallow a pill, it goes straight into your gastrointestinal tract. So it'll mm. mostly stay there if you have good solubility. Um, but but these disperse across the entire body, or yeah, can. sometimes. Mm-hmm. So sometimes drugs like antihistamines. Antihistamines mm. are very very clean drugs. They very rarely have any side effects, and usually you can take a lot of them and mm. just be entirely fine. Yeah. Whereas there are some that just affect everything in the body (laughs) and just mess up a whole lot of stuff and you can't take many of them or you'll die. (laughs) Almost the reverse concept of pesticides and certain bugs or animals developing immunities Mm. or resilience. It's the opposite where they've kind of gotten good or uh, gotten better at stopping or resisting the effects of whatever chemicals put inside of them. A lot of pharmacology is trying to find the cleanest way of putting something into the exact mm. place that you want it. Well, uh, chemotherapy is like very, I guess, what you would say messy then. Mm. Because yeah, it definitely. totally nukes the entire body with chemicals, 
in the attempt to kill cancer. Yeah, and the big thing with cancer is to try and get something that only selects cancerous cells. But that's very difficult because you need to sort of detect the DNA, which mm-hmm. is just a difficult thing. <laughs> well, it's... I imagine, you know, uh, somebody who's not the most educated in the field, that it's like finding a needle in a haystack. Pretty much. You mm-hmm. you have to design something... You have to design a molecule that's good at finding a needle in a haystack. <laughs> well, which is pretty difficult. I can design a computer to do it. Snaps, Pre- yeah. snaps fingers and does finger guns <laughs> in your direction. Pew, pew, pew. Exactly. You know, I have to be completely honest with you. It doesn't make me happy to have you tell me so much and for me to <laughs> not understand as much as I'm doing my best to pick up on what you're saying and this definitely isn't my my strong suit this isn't my forte what i'm trying to say is you're really smart <laughs> thank you i appreciate that it's just sort of finding what you're good at in life really which mm-hmm. is a difficult thing to do and you sort of just got to really find out who you are before you can find out what you want to do i was quite lucky in the way that my mum is a bit of a hypochondriac, mm-hmm. so she kept bringing home new pills to take. And, like, <laughs> I'd look at them and be like, oh, I wonder what that does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I'd like, Google uh, everything and stuff. Personally, I've always been somebody that tries to take half medical recommended doses. Maybe that's not a good thing. Maybe that is a good thing. Uh, Never do that with antibiotics, because it'll create antibiotic-resistant bacteria, mm-hmm. which could wipe out mm-hmm. the entirety of humanity. <laughs> I have heard of that, and I've never done it with antibiotics. Good, So, good. you know what? Scout's honor. One hand on my heart, one hand in the air. Never done that. Um, mostly with Advil, things like that. Trying to keep myself as sensitive as I can to the chemicals in my body. Mm. But uh, this, this all aside, I think I'm going to call the episode there. But I want to have you back on the show again eventually so maybe i can seem smart in return maybe uh maybe convince you that i don't completely know nothing maybe i'll interview you about a subject that you're happy to talk about (gasps) and interested in oh my god this is all i've ever wanted in life ever universal i wanted to ask in the very beginning of the episode did i ask you to introduce yourself and tell the people where they can find you uh don't think so. I gotta think. Where can people find me? Actually, um, I don't really have much social media apart from like Facebook and stuff. Like personal Facebook, or do you have a Facebook page? No, just personal Facebook. Um, maybe on Casting Call Club, I suppose. I will put a link in the podcast description to your Casting Call Club, and maybe in the future Excellent. you'll have a big voice acting Facebook page, and we can throw that on there too, <laughs> and it'll it'll be perfect. I'd love so that. Thank you for coming on very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's been real fun. And there you have it. That was this episode of Tonight We Talk with Zach, our brand new guest. It was amazing having Zach on this episode of Tonight We Talk. At first, I was very, very worried that because I'm not that knowledgeable in most fields of science, this was going to be a very one-sided conversation. But instead, I found myself coming up with more questions the more Zach talked about pharmacology, especially when we got to the philosophical concepts. If you also 
found Zack an interesting character. If you thought that uh, he was amazing, if you thought that you'd like to hear his voice some more, down in the description we will have a link to Zack's Cast and Call Club. Because, funny story, Zack and I actually met through our mutual interest in voice acting. So, if you want to hear him do some neat voices, that, that deep, deep rich English accent, you know, you can go give him a listen. Maybe you want to start a project of your own. Maybe you want to start a podcast and you want to give him a give him a shout out to see if he'll come onto your show. Go get in contact with him because he was a swell guy. Anyway, I've finished my shill to you and whatnot. I hope you have a nice night and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Tonight We Talk. I have been your host, Grayson Earl James. <laughs>